A reading from the book of the prophet Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Set out for the great city of Nineveh, and announce to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh, according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone but a single day's walk, announcing, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast. And all of them, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw by their actions how they turned from their evil way, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them. He did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. From now on, let those who have wives act as if not having them. Those weeping as not weeping. Those rejoicing as not rejoicing. Those buying as not owning. Those using the world as not using it fully. For the world in its present form is passing away. The word of the Lord.
Dominus Vobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Marcum. Gloria After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, they too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. Verbum Domini Most of us can probably look back on our lives when we were young or in our school days, elementary school, junior high, high school, even college, when you know, we would play games or sports and maybe we had a little crowd with us and we picked teams, you know, whether it was football, basketball, baseball, any of the sports, soccer. You know, and then we, when we pick teams, we try to pick the most athletic, the most talented sportsmen. Jesus today doesn't pick the most talented. No, doesn't pick the smartest or most sophisticated. He's picking four simple fishermen. And this is a reminder for us that Jesus, he doesn't see so much what we are. He sees what we could become in him. And it tells us of his power to transform. This power of his grace that we experience we have his own divine life and love within us. And we can do all things, overcoming evil, 
sharing in the glory of the Lord, just like Jesus himself. And in God's generosity, he gives it to us in abundance. It's what Jesus calls the abundant life. And here, as Jesus is, is going around, you know, there in Galilee, proclaiming the kingdom of God, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Here is Jesus, the one who does the will of the Father perfectly. Here he is now about to bring about the kingdom. Here he is, the one who is the kingdom himself. Everything that everybody in the kingdom called to the kingdom aspires to be like Jesus. And now he's picking disciples. And so he calls these four men who are hardworking, committed fishermen. There they are casting their nets into the sea, working long hours. You know, these men would have been robust calluses on their hands, sunburned. They would have been used to all kinds of weather conditions, wind, rain, waves, sea storms. And Jesus goes to them and says, come and follow me. Now at some point they, have, they may have already met Jesus but they, they leave him and follow him. And what are they leaving behind? These fishermen, you know, it's obvious that this was a family business they were involved in. Andrew and Peter, you know, then over here on the other side, James and John and their father Zebedee. You know, and fishing was, was a large business, a large enterprise at that time. You now most people, ate fish every day, or very, maybe once or twice a week, they ate meat, red meat. Oh, but mo most of the people were consuming, consuming fish. And, and much of the fish in all of Israel came from the Sea of Galilee. It was even exported to, to places uh, such as Rome. You know, they would catch the fish, then they would put it in salt. You know, they would salt it to preserve it. Or there was no, of course, refrigeration in those days, like we have it. So preserve it, send it off, you know. And, and so they, that's how they made their living. And there were, there were many others who were making the same kind of living. They said that, as according to the uh, historian Josephus, that there would be somewhat to like 330 boats on the sea at once sometimes. He counted it once, 330 boats there on the Sea of Galilee fishing, catching fish. No. And here are some expert fishermen here. No, but why them? No, at the, at the first, their first appearance, these, these rugged men, no, they're, they're very simple. No, they, yes, they know hard work. They're, they're laborers, just ordinary men and women, or ordinary men here at first. Later, Jesus is calling women, but right here, these men here, Ordinary men here. Now why not go to 
out into the, the bigger metropolitans, or down to Corinth, or Athens, Rome, Istanbul, places where, where people are being educated, you know, where people know philosophy, and where, they're, where they study rhetoric, you know, and, per, and, and persuasion, and argument. Why not go get, get them among them? Jesus chooses these men, and as we see throughout the Gospels, they, got a, they, had, they need to learn a lot of lessons. You know, they, they, they're always being corrected. You know, Jesus has to exhort them for, you know, sometimes we look at it, silly things. Here they are fighting amongst themselves, you know, saying who's better, who's the best. It's like little kids. See, but one thing about these men, as I'm saying earlier, Jesus, Jesus looks into the heart more than the appearance. See, yes, those, the, though the, these men receive a constant exhortation, they're always being corrected, but yet they can take the correction. See, they know commitment. They know loyalty from their business, from their family. So what we see of them, and, and being fishermen, working in this industry, you know, they're used to days when there was disappointment, where maybe, maybe things because of the weather or storms don't, don't look so good. You know, but they're also resilient men as a result of that. So yes, they could be scolded, exhorted, but then we see them getting back up, you know, and then trying a little harder. And ultimately, these four men are, are leaders in the church. And we see where Peter, James, and John, that they are closest to Jesus. He takes them everywhere. Oh, the Mount of, of, of a trans, Transfiguration, you know, uh, to do uh, healings, he brings them with them. The agony of the garden, there they are with him. They're so close to him. They know him very intimately. He's chosen them for this because of what's in their heart. And then, you know, we see this after, okay, Jesus is on the cross. They, they all reject him except for John. But then, you know, Jesus rises again. You know, then he ascends, Holy Spirit comes with the, with the indwelling of, of grace, of divine life now, divine love. There they go forth, transformed, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking, walking like Jesus now. Everything is all of a sudden activated. See this huge transformation. And yeah, they're still weak men, as, as, uh, as the, the epistles point out, the book of Acts. They still have things to work on. But they're different from when he first called them. And brothers and sisters, Jesus calls each and every one of us close to himself, to an intimate, to a relationship with him, to a life that is identical to his. And it begins by us saying yes and following him. We'll have to say yes many times in our life in the Lord the spiritual walk with him, it is a constant yes, constant taking up of the cross, denying ourselves and following Jesus. 
Yeah, this may seem, may seem rigorous, arduous, but yet there is there, there is the transformation. There, there he is, there, there we are being sanctified, you know, and being purified, and ultimately being glorified with the Lord. And so he's called us, you know, of course, to, to come and follow him, to give of ourselves to him, but that this also tells us that he's to be first. God is to be first in our life. We make him first. There, he, he makes everything else work well for good. There, we, there, by making him first, we have the one who shows us how to live and how to love in this world. No, by, by following him, doing his will. Loving as he's loving the Father, loving all people, learning from him, being with him, knowing we're loved by him. Then pouring it out. And so it, it makes every oh, it makes life much more, much more, more, more doable, workable. You no, know, much more happier, because we're 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 living in a way that we are called and meant to live. Jesus, Jesus shows us that there he is, living the fullness of our humanity. That that's what we see him. That's about as followers of him. That's what he gives to us. This is why the importance of having him first. He's God. And ultimately, that, that we should have a burning desire here to be with the Lord, and this life will pass, and then we'll be with him for all eternity. Now, it gives us many things, many opportunities here, but these are passing. It's all about him. And yeah, we, we, he's called, we're called to have him first in our lives, each and every one of us. You know, some of us, uh, of course, you know, are, are called to give it all to him. You know, to deny ourselves of a family life, of marriage, perhaps taking up a vocation as a priest, a religious, religious priest, religious sister, consecrated life. Or God is calling some of us to that. And he's tugging at you. You know, it's time for some of us out there to say yes, to take a step of faith. And yeah, we may see that, oh, okay, the odds are against me and Maybe I don't feel so qualified. But as we see here, Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. No, he doesn't see as man sees. Doesn't see just what they look at right there, but Jesus looks deep into the heart. And he sees what they could become. And that is, that, that is of course, those who are discerning, you know, he will surprise you. He will amaze you. Now, I mean, all of us who have taken up, uh, you know, a call, a vocation, the priesthood or the consecrated life, well, we, we'd get in there. I'm also lying to me. I was getting, how am I going to do this? You know, and then years go by. Oh, God, it's done. It's getting done. It's the power of God, the grace he gives to us. And he'll give it to those he's tugging at right now. Now, say yes. Come and follow him. So whatever state of life we're in, we're called to follow Jesus. And we'll never arrive. Okay, yeah, I've made it. You know, yeah, I've, here I am, you know, and don't need it anymore. No, no. God is so great. God is so marvelous, glorious. It'll take a whole eternity to really know him. 
No, it's infinite. No, it's love. Is, is that, that amazing, that astounding, that it would take a whole eternity to know what it is? No, and it's for all of us here. So, yeah, the, the, life, of the, the life of the Lord calls us to, following him, may seem difficult, but there, there's where we're truly loved. There's where we truly find our purpose. There's we find a God who loves us unconditionally, a God that will make us more than what we are, a God that shows us that we are truly sons and daughters of him. Say yes. God bless you all.